1: Today is Sunday, January 13th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 297 featuring Celtics TV voice Mike Gorman from NBC Sports Boston. It's brought to you by Robinhood. Get a free stock when you sign up at Celtics.Robinhood.com. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of Celtics Beat, 2019 edition, right? Let's jump into it because we got a lot to cover in a short period of time. Seas have been a little up and down lately, but for the most part, they've played great basketball since just before Christmas and even going back to the new year, one of the best offenses and defenses in the entire NBA, knocked off some pretty hot teams along the way too. In recent shows, we have talked about players turning a corner, but has the team on the whole... We're going to dive into that. I'm thrilled to welcome in legendary TV voice of the Celtics, Mike Gorman, to the show. You've heard him on NBC Sports Boston and its previous incarnations for decades. Recently re-upped, so we're all going to get to keep on listening, which is great news. do want to tell you as well, we are talking just after the Heat game, so not too concerned about the Orlando matchup. Really, there would only be a ton to get into if they should happen to lose and lose miserably, and it looks a lot like that heat game, but honestly, I don't think that's going to happen. You can call me out for it if it does, but these are big picture issues that we get into, so don't even worry about game analysis. We want to talk about this team and where things stand at the midpoint of the year. Mike, how are you? Good, Adam. How you been? Good. Good to have you here. I mean, we got a, a ton to cover and a tight window to do it, and I want to bring in some, some Twitter questions a little bit later on, too. But let's talk about this team sure. first, because they're halfway through the year at this point. The Cs were tight early in the season, high expectations, just didn't look like what we expected. We know that, trying to discover their roles. We've seen much more balance throughout the lineup the last few weeks. How do you feel about this group now?
0: Better than I did at the beginning of the year. Um... I was one of those who felt that the Celtics were going to take probably half the schedule to people to get used to new roles. Mm-hmm. And new roles is just a, a nice way of saying how the shot distribution has got to change all of a sudden with Kyrie and Haywood uh, back in the lineup. So I, I never thought that was going to be an easy task for, for Coach Stevens to pull off. Uh, and I thought it was going to take him half the season. And it seems just about now that they're starting to hit their stride, starting to understand what their individual roles are on this team. And um, now we've got 40 games to try to grease the machine and have it ready for the playoffs and hopefully stay healthy.
1: How far does Boston have to go to get to where it needs to be for the playoffs? I'm talking, of course, you know, during the regular season. What does it have to do? Because some recent lopsided wins and consistent 115 points a game, that stuff's been fun to watch. But it's not stuff to bank on. It's not sustainable going forward for the second half.
0: And probably not going to be the way the playoffs play because sure. it's, it's rare that you see playoff games that play in the hundred, late hundred teens, or early hundred twenties. Um, I, I still think the Celtics lack a sense of urgency, for a better, lack of a better way to put it. Um, and, and I still think they're working on that and trying to develop that. If they can get that, they can obviously be very, very good because they're very deep with, with, with talented players. Um, but that still is missing from this team, in, in my book, anyway. Uh, so I still think they have to develop that. I mean, last night in Miami was a great example of of, of not being ready to play in a mm-hmm. game. It's a typical NBA loss. You, you know, it was a schedule loss. You played Indiana in a fairly big game at home the night before, fly down to Miami and have a 7 o'clock start or whatever it was down there. Um, that's one of those schedule games that you're probably going to lose. The way they lost it was a little discomforting and that they just got blown out. Um, that's what I mean about the sense of urgency. I think they need to... Really be able to clean the slate before every game and go into every game thinking this is going to be a challenge, as opposed to um, we we can just go through the motions and win this. That's the biggest difference I seen between this this year's team and last year's team. Uh, aside from the fact was more the emphasis was more on the defense last year. The emphasis is obviously more on the offense this year. There was a great shot on TNT last night of the Celtics warming up. I don't know if you showed it. It was a high shot, mm-hmm. and every single player was outside the three-point line. <laughs> um, Dawning of a so, new day in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we found out last year you go as far as the three will take you. They've, they've made the gamble that they want to continue to play that way. I think they're a better three-point shooting team this year in the sense of their ball movement is much better. They're much more willing to have five, six, seven, eight touches on the end, on the offensive end as opposed to maybe two or three before a shot goes up. Um so again, all this is stuff they need to work on in the second half of the schedule, try to stay healthy and uh be again as good a defensive team. I know the numbers tell you they're still a good defensive mm-hmm. team, but when you watch the games When they went 118 to 109, I'm not sure that a lot of good defense was played in that game.
1: Mike, I think the most significant thing you said there, though, is the lack of urgency. Because, I mean, forget this year to last year. I think a a staple of Brad Stevens' team since he's arrived in Boston, even when they were bad that first year and a half, couple of years, the sense of urgency was never missing. They always played hard. And, you know, going back to the offseason, my biggest concern on this show, I talked about it a lot, was... How are they going to play? Are they going to bring the effort each and every night now that they're talented enough to not necessarily have to? We've seen that bite them in the butt now consistently. They are consistently inconsistent throughout this year, and so much of it is not the talent. It's not whether shots are falling. It's whether or not they're trying hard. Players, Kyrie Irving has has said as much in Stretches of bad play as well. Where do you think the lack of urgency comes from? Because at a certain point, you do have to, you got to point up. You got to look at Brad Stevens and getting them ready for games.
0: Yeah, but there's only so much a coach can do. There's only so much motivating he can do, and then guys have to go out and play. And, and that's been the problem. Guys haven't really gone out and played all the time. Um, I think one of the things that, that causes confusion for the Celtics and will continue to cause confusion for the Celtics over the next couple of weeks is the sudden emergence of Marcus Smart as a three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if he turns out to be a guy who can hit 40-something percent of his, of his three-point shots, he, his game and, and the perception of his game gets elevated tremendously because he's already probably arguably the best defensive player in the league or one of the five, three or four best defensive players in the league. Um, now, all of a sudden, if he's a legitimate three-point shooting threat and suddenly his average is 15 or 16 a game, that cha- that again changes the roles and it changes the shot distribution. So um, I, I agree with you that, 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 that the urgency is a key, and, and I, I believe it's a key, and I believe it's something they still haven't been able to do consistently. Um But what is Marcus Smart's role come playoff time? Do we want him shooting the ball or do we not want him shooting the ball? Um, These are all to be decided over the next couple of months. And what we thought a guy's role might be might be something completely different come April.
1: I want to do more on, on Smart and his three-point shooting because it's, it's a fascinating topic to me. But first, just kind of, a, I guess, going back to roles and urgency and the, the overall feel, especially since as the TV voice of the team and traveling with the team and having been around for years and years, never mind just this season, you're behind the scenes, which most of us are not. How's this team get along? Is it one big happy family? Are the younger players and vets at all clicky with one another? Is there any sort of disconnect? You know what, what I'm saying?
0: I don't. I don't see much. I see some of the. Uh, the leader is is, is Al, and he, he leads just by kind of example. And he's such, such a solid citizen. It, it's made them this way. I've always believed that. Um and, and this is not meant as any knock to Brad at all. But I've always believed that in, in college, teams mirror the personality of the coach. In, in the pros, teams mirror the personality of their best player. Mm. And the best player on the Celtics is obviously Kyrie. And Kyrie is willing to lead to a certain extent, but is also going to step aside to the seniority of, of Al Horford, who is, again, a very quiet, soft-spoken uh, guy. And I, I think the team kind of takes – lead from that. They're they're not an outspoken bunch. You don't have a lot of guys going off in the locker room after games. Um, They're a pretty quiet bunch. And on the road, from what I can see, um, is it 25 guys piling on a bus and all going out together every night? No, I don't see that. I see groups of two or three, but I don't, I don't think they're necessarily cliques. I I just think they're guys who have common interests. Mm -hmm. Um, And so are they a, a good bunch to be around? Yeah, they're a good bunch to be around. They're mostly all business. There's not a lot, whole lot of fooling around. Um, it used to be that when, when we traveled with with KG and that crazy bunch, mm. um, it used to be that they traveled in the back cabin. There was a the first class cabin and, and the first class cabin and then the rest of the plane. Every seat was a first class seat, but the way they were arranged, the players were in back with us. So I I, I could see them, in their card games, I could see the personalities. I could, you could hang around and just kind of watch the whole scene. The way we fly now, the players are way in the front of the plane. The coaches are in the middle of the plane, and the media is in the back of the plane. Mm. Um, and so we really don't have anything to do with the players. They, they ride on a separate bus from us. Um, and and I don't spend a lot of time in locker rooms. So I, I would tell you that, do I notice anything bad about this club? No. Uh, but do I notice anything good about this club in the sense of it's 25 guys, all for one, one for all? I don't see that yet. Um, hopefully, again, that'll, that'll develop more as the season goes on, but uh, I don't see that yet.
1: Yeah, they needed that preseason trip to Rome. where <laughs> Everybody bonds Al oh, Horford, yeah, goes yeah, around buying everybody's suits, right?
0: Well, exactly right, and, and 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 everybody established that was the only training camp I've ever been to where all roles were established the day they left training camp because Kevin Garnett determined what everybody's right. role was going to be. Um, it's not like that now. Kyrie is a again is a leader, but is, is not a, he's a leader, but he doesn't go around demanding things from from people like KJ used to do. Um, do you have to do that to win? I don't know, um, but uh, again, I, I still think guys are trying to figure out how many shots they're going to get, where they're going to get their shots, and, and when they're going to be in the game and when they're not going to be in the game. Um, Gordon Hayward is learning to play the game more below the rim than above the rim. I mean, he's, a, he's got great basketball instruments. He's a really, really good basketball player. Um, but he's still not back to where, I think he would tell you, he's still not back athletically to where he was before. So he's learned to play the game a little differently. Jason Tatum's role has changed. Jalen Brown's role has changed a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Marcus Morris, who you might have thought, we might have thought if we're talking back in August, might get lost in the mix, has suddenly emerged as their second-best scorer and, and arguably their most consistent player. Right. So, um, it, it again, it's not turning out the way it looked on paper to begin the season. But but they get got plenty of time. All they got to do is. Obviously, they don't want to not have home court. I think they're sitting in fifth place right now, but I think that'll change by the end of the season. I don't know if they'll catch Toronto and Milwaukee, but I I could see them third and
1: and third and healthy, and I'd feel good going in the playoffs. Get right back to Mike. One Today's show is brought to you by Robinhood. Never a bad time to start thinking about your investment portfolio. Whether you're looking to buy or sell stocks, crypto, ETFs, make sure you sign up for Robinhood. And I know markets can be complicated, but Robinhood makes everything easy for you. Robinhood is going to build you your own customized news feed right when you sign up. They sort certain stocks for you in different collections, like the 100 most popular, let's say, or social media or pharmaceutical, and you'll learn more about it as you go along. Get started today. Sign up is extremely easy. All it takes is four taps on your phone to start trading. Best part? Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. You get to keep all your profits. Robinhood's giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. So sign up at Celtics.Robinhood.com. That is Celtics.Robinhood.com. Let's get back to the show. One thing that I, I do find interesting, and, and maybe it's me trying to not create a story because the, the crux of it are there, is that after a bad game, we have not Lately, seen very many bad games. You know, there was Miami and there were a couple other in the mix, but for the most part, the teams played really well. But when there is that bad game, you have some vets, and and Kyrie is is really kind of the number one. Who they sort of hint post game talking to the media at needing more from the younger guys on a consistent basis. And I don't think Irving does it in a disrespectful way or anything like that, but acknowledges Jalen Terry, even Jason at, at different times. Have you noticed that too?
0: Yeah, and I, and I think that's a legitimate claim on his part. Um I I think Jalen found the adjustment uh, more difficult uh, than uh, Jason did. But but I still think think they're both feeling it. And, you know, the thing I see with Jason is you you start a game and all of a sudden, like last night or two nights ago against Indiana, um, he had, what, 11 points in the first seven minutes of the game? Mm. five rebounds. I mean, it was just a dominant player on the court. Right. And then there are other times you'll see him start a game and out suddenly he gets subbed for, and you look down at the stat line and there's a lot of zeros. So again, him finding his, his comfort niche as to who he is on the court is still a work in progress. Same thing with Brown. Haywood helps things a lot because he's such a clever passer and such an unselfish player that when he gets on the court with either one of those two, he's able to keep them happy passing wise and, and keep them happy with shots. Um, that's the biggest adjustment that I've seen Gordon Haywood make is that uh, he is very definitely the playmaker, the guy thinking pass first uh, on this team.
1: On Jalen, he has... Obviously, played better offensively. A bunch of twenty-point games recently. He's shooting much better. Effective field goal percentage, or just regular field goal percentage, if you don't feel like diving into analytics. But his defense—that's you know—that's still inconsistent. And Marcus Morris. People didn't see this during the game in Miami. It, it sort of went viral on social media after the fact. But he and Marcus Morris got into a, a very brief little shoving exchange. In the huddle during the second quarter timeout after Jalen, we've all seen the video at this point, visibly was slow to get back on defense. Morris took exception to it. Was that concerning to you at all, be it on the floor or what happened in the huddle? No,
0: it's not. I think it's good, actually. I think it's healthy. Um, I think it's healthy that, that uh, Morris is not afraid to step up and, and say what he thinks to another player. Um no, I, I have no problem with that at all. Uh, we, we tend to be in the media uh, soft-skinned about stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I, I talk to Scal about that a lot. You know, he says, you know, in practice and stuff, you can't believe the, the things that guys say to each other and <laughs> Tempest player and everything else. It's just, it's just the way they play the game. Um, so, no, I, I, I think that's good. I, I, I'd rather have Morris doing that than going back to the bench shaking his head saying, like, I'm playing defense with nobody else's.
1: I don't necessarily think this is a thing, but I want to know if you think it's a thing. Now, okay. going going back to like when Rondo was here, smartest guy in the room, and he knew it. And at times, uh-huh. that could alienate people. Right yeah. now, you know, Jalen Brown is kind of that guy in that I think he is, and it's well publicized with everything that he does off the floor, and it's it's admirable. I, I think he's a fascinating young man. He is probably the smartest guy they've got in that locker room sometimes I think Kyrie thinks he's that guy, but Jalen, I think is the smartest guy that's in that locker room. And compare
0: SAT scores. I think Jalen probably wins.
1: Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know that Jalen is, is alienated at all for it. Uh, He's only been around a couple of years, took Rondo a little while to get there, but is there, does it seem like there's a detachment there at all? Yeah,
0: I know what you're, what you're talking about. And there, there is a little bit of that there. Um, You know, he's a very bright young man and, uh, Sometimes in sports, it's it's better to be not so bright. got <laughs> a lot of guys are going to love me for saying that. Yeah, um, I, I, I think I think that's that's only true in basketball. I think it's true in, in all sports. Um, you, you can overthink things mm-hmm. and, and get yourself in, in trouble. And I think uh, Brown has a little bit of a tendency to do that because I think by nature he's a, he's a thinker. He's a guy who wants to play chess. He doesn't want to play checkers.
1: On uh, Well, let's talk a little bit more about Kyrie and Marcus Smart because they've, they've really bonded. And this is interesting to me, Mike, because the, they look good playing with one another. The team is much, much better, totally different, re-energized since Brad put Marcus into the starting lineup. And Kyrie is constantly praising him, his, his character, how he's grown as a player, his defense. He says he watches videos to learn how to get better defensively, you know, on, on his part as a veteran in the league. How's this bond developed?
0: I'm not sure I totally agree with you in, in the sense that it's special between them as opposed to between others. That, that Marcus Smart makes you play differently when he's on the court because he just plays so hard. That block last night was one of the best defensive plays of the year. Oh, it's great. Uh, um, so he, he may – and Kyrie really likes that. Kyrie likes the idea of somebody else uh, forcing the issue. Uh, Kyrie, Kyrie reminds me a lot of, of Paul Pierce – forget, let me finish the sentence before people go, what? <laughs> um, he reminds me a lot of Paul Pearson that he wants to be the guy on the court with the ball in his hands in the last second of the game. He doesn't necessarily want to be the guy in front of all the microphones. Um after the game, mm-hmm. and 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 that's the, the way Paul was. That's why that that team was such a perfect mix because uh, what what one didn't want to, Garnett didn't necessarily want the ball in his hands at the end of the game. He wanted Paul to have the ball. Yet in the press conference afterwards, Garnett would be the spokesperson, and and Paul would sit there and watch. Uh, it, remarkably so, considering how he has yeah. evolved into a very good television broadcaster now. Yeah. Um, but anyway to get back to your original bonding of of, of smart and Kyrie. Uh I, I think again, if you're Kyrie, you point to Marcus and look at everybody else and say that's the way you all should be playing in, in, in terms of effort in in terms of uh taking every trip up and down the court personally. Um so I I think it's a question again of, of Kyrie being able to have someone else be the example that he doesn't necessarily have to be, because what we need Kyrie to be is the, is the offensive player. Not necessarily the – it's great that he passes the ball. It's great that he distributes the ball. It's great that he thinks more of a point guard in the first couple of quarters. But when push comes to shove, you want the ball in Kyrie's hand and you want him thinking about scoring, not necessarily setting up somebody else. So um, I I know I'm dancing around your question, but uh, I, I think Marcus does what Kyrie says everybody should do. So it's nice to be able to point to a guy and say, see him? That's the way it should be.
1: To finish up with Marcus, just because I, I teased it earlier, 35% from three midway through the year, well over 40% more recently, and you acknowledged that as well. I guess what I'm wondering, and I, I know you don't know the answer, but what do you believe? Is this a fluke, or is it the new Marcus? Because we've seen no, him have good months. Marcus.
0: Do you? I think it's the new Marcus. I do. I think he put in a lot of work. Um, and... Uh, it was only a question of time when that work was going to pay off. And, again, I, people are going to think I'm crazy, but um, if he all of a sudden becomes a proficient three-point shooter, he, he jumps into an all-star category because he's such a great defensive player. Um, and, again, that changes what the look of the Celtics is because instead of wanting Marcus Smart out there for 28 minutes or 25 minutes of a game um, and shooting the ball three or four times, you might want him out there shooting the ball 10 or 12 times. Um, that's great, but somebody else is not getting those shots now. All of a sudden, so again, those are the adjustments this team continues to make, and 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 what the roles are is it's in pencil right now. It's not yet in ink.
1: You were uh, on this show with my producer, Evan Valenti, over the summer at one point. You guys talked a little bit of Anthony Davis. We know there's all that Anthony Davis conversation that's out there right now, the inconsistency of the Pelicans, the fact that he seems to be a little unhappy or at least unsatisfied there. And, of course, that always will come back to getting attached to the Celtics because of the assets if he were available. So we have to live in that fantasy land first. But if a deal were to include Jason Tatum or even Kyrie Irving, would it happen? Would Danny Ainge go all in no matter what?
0: He would be tempted, I think. Um, I think Anthony Davis is that special a player, and he's still a young kid. Um It's interesting you had mentioned Kyrie in the deal. I think Kyrie is a big hook for Anthony Davis to come here. Right. So uh, much more than Jason Tatum necessarily would be a hook for him to come here. He might admire Jason, think he's a fine young player, but he he could match up his game much better with Kyrie. Um, So – It might be a little self-defeating to to try to include Kyrie in a trade to get Anthony Davis. Uh, I think the Celtics would do everything they could to make sure that when the dust cleared, if they were to get Anthony Davis, that Kyrie was still on the roster.
1: You weren't sold at that time? Anybody
0: else, I think, is fair game.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right, and all the picks and everything, too, with the potential four first-rounders coming. But uh, over the summer, and this was before Kyrie started to speak out, training camp, preseason, all of that. But over the summer, you weren't necessarily sold on Kyrie Irving returning next year. We know that he has since been over the top about it. He has declared he's mm-hmm. returning. But mm-hmm. let's do the flip side of that. Do you think the C's are 100% in on him? Is it is it an obvious he's absolutely coming back?
0: Well, I think the C's want him back 100%. Uh, Here's the the thing with Kyrie. If if I were Kyrie um, and I was faced with the idea of every single press conference, after every single game, I was going to get five people asking me the question, how are you going to resign with the Celtics? Mm -hmm. How are you going to resign with the Celtics? Um, It would be much easier for me to just come out at the very beginning of the year and say, yep, I am. Looking forward to this. This is going to be a really great career here. Looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Puts an end to all the questions. And then when the summer comes around, we started fresh again. Because believe me, when the summer comes around and people start making offers, um, everything starts all over again. So uh, I, I think Kyrie, I don't think he was lying to, to people. I'm not putting it that way. But I think Kyrie just came up with a good solution as to how to save himself having to deal with that question. <laughs> and um, the, the biggest appeal to Kyrie, I, I can identify with this in, in kind of a crazy way. Um, if, if I were a the voice of the Washington Wizards right now, I probably would have retired uh, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but but being the voice of the Boston Celtics when you grew up in Dorchester, you kind of want to hang on to that for as long as you can. Um, and I, I think Kyrie grew up in New York City in and around New York City. And, and I'm sure somewhere in the back of his mind, being the guy with Kevin Durant or Anthony Davis on the New York Knicks, was, might, might have been a dream he fell asleep when he was a kid, not knowing who Davis and the other two people would be, but mm-hmm. the fact that he would be a Nick. So I, I just don't think you can completely shut the door and say it's a lock, that he's just not going to entertain any other offers from anywhere else, and he's just going to sign with the Celtics. I hope he does that. Uh, he's he's a joy to broadcast as, as a play-by-play guy. He, you want him on the floor because he just gives you great moments to describe. Um, but is, 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 am I 100% sure he's going to come back to Boston next year? No.
1: All right. Well, I'm, I'm hoping not
0: I'm not 100 percent sure much of anything. So,
1: well, I'm hoping people don't panic hearing that. But you know how people are, obviously, on social media. Yeah, and uh, uh,
0: and I, I, again, I want to qualify. I don't mean to panic. It. I, I have no evidence to believe otherwise. Oh, no, Of course. Um, I, I, I just think that at the time, having been to two or three of the early press conferences around training camp, people were just focused on will you resign? Will you resign? Mm-hmm. And um, if, if he any kind of avoidance of that question on his part, would would just make people speculate more and more down the wrong road. So the easiest thing for Kyrie to do is saying like, sure, my, I have every intention of playing the rest of my career here, which I'm sure he does have every intention
1: right now. As uh, as we talk in, in mid-January, so hopefully that maintains on to July 1st and it's it's nice and quick yeah, and, I, and easy. And,
0: again, if you would ask me, and again, I don't want to light up the Twitter sphere here. Sure. Uh, if you would ask me what I, you thought my – Impression was of what chances he would be signed? I would say 80 percent
1: that he'll be signed. Okay, not I mean I more hundred, more favorable than it's not. A it's a B. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I know you got to run, Mike. We'll uh we'll we'll save the Twitter questions for the next time. A lot of people wanting to know just you know things about your broadcasting career, most memorable game, and favorite players you've you've called games for, and that type of thing. But we'll uh, we will do those another time for sure. This has been a lot of fun as always.
0: Okay, Adam, anytime. You know that.
1: All right. I'll definitely reach out. I'll I'll get you weekly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Mike Gorman, TV Voice of the Celtics. You too. So my apologies, we didn't have time to hit on uh, everything that I probably wanted to get to with, with Mike and obviously those Twitter questions, but got a lot in there and uh, always grateful to Mike for joining the show as well. We will definitely have him on again before the season's over and come playoffs and all of that. I, I used to have him on with me on the radio a handful of times a year when I was over at the Sports Hub and he's just... Uh, he's. Terrific. You don't need me to tell you that. You've probably grown up much as I have with Mike Gorman. I do want to mix this in before I get out of here. Uh, Lots of people have been asking me on Twitter about the Seas draft pick watch since they could have as many as four first-rounders in the 2019 draft, including two in the lottery, you know, trade capital in that Davis pursuit that we were talking about. If you don't know, Seas have the rights To the Kings' first-round pick, top one protected, or the Sixers' first-round pick, whichever one is higher, and sorry, doesn't look like it's going to be Zion or anything like that, not a guy of that caliber. Grizzlies, first-round choice, top eight protected. The Clippers' first-round pick, top 14 protected. And Celts have their own pick, which, as we know, if all goes well, is going to be in the late 20s. As things stood at the midway point of the year, 41 games into the season, the halfway mark. Credit to NBC Sports Boston, by the way, for looking this up and putting an article out about it. Boston would get number 9 from Memphis, number 13 from Sacramento, so 2 in the lottery, number 21 from L.A. and old friend Doc Rivers, and its own pick would be number 23, which we hope gets higher and higher, and by higher I mean up closer to 30, not the other way around. But as we know, lots can change and will change in the coming months. you got a whole half the season to go before we really start thinking about this stuff. So, all that said, another fun show. Time to get out of here. Today's show is brought to you by Robinhood. Get a free stock when you sign up at Celtics.Robinhood.com. Thanks again to Mike, my producer, Evan Valenti, mentioned earlier, and uh, to Nick, Larry, John, everybody else at CLNS Media, Mike, Sean, the list goes on and on. But most importantly, most especially, you guys. You guys make this show possible. Appreciate you finding us, be it on iTunes. You can search Celtics Beat, subscribe, leave a review, a rating. We always appreciate it on Stitcher. On YouTube. You can subscribe to the CLNS media page on YouTube. Whole lot of great content there audio from practices, pregame, postgame, and so forth. Across all sports, by the way, not just the Celtics, but I know what you're here for. And uh, I tweet out links to the show and things about the Celtics. Constantly, And I'm always happy to engage with you. You can get me there at Adam M. Kaufman. So big second half on the way. We are midway through and there is so much to determine with this team and maybe some issues boiling under the surface. But hopefully as we have more recently, we'll see a lot more Gino at the Garden as we get ready, ramp up because look, all-star game's coming. I know that's not terribly important. I am looking forward to the TV draft. That'll be a good time, especially if Kyrie Irving should happen to be a captain or something like that. But also... Trade deadline's not far away. We're going to get into it. All right? More coming up on future shows. Thanks for joining us.